0: This is Garrett Wong. And I played Ensign Kim on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Neil
1: Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod.
2: Hoorah, And welcome to another edition of Neil Before Pod. Today we're talking about aliens in honor of 426, or as we call it in this country. The 26th of April.
3: Alright, not pack
2: No, well, that too. Can it be another him? I'm your host for today, Angus, and warning, there will be spoilers ahead and possible uses of some harsh language. With me, I've got my crack team of ultimate badasses, featuring Natalie. Hello. That's, that was badass. Craig. <laughs> we mostly podcast at night. Mostly.
3: <laughs>
2: and Chris. Hoorah! <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's more I, like it. I didn't know that
3: we were supposed to have like little catchphrases.
0: I just thought then it would
3: it. have been like because oh. <laughs> my favourite one at the moment is uh they're dead, alright.
0: Can I go now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what we're so, aliens ours quote aliens and do nothing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and that'll perfect her newt impression.
3: <laughs> Working on it. <laughs>
2: So yeah, we're here to talk about Aliens. Um, We have already covered the original Alien in a previous podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. It would make a a lovely companion to this episode. We hope. Um, But yes, Aliens, the sequel. Some might say an improvement. Uh, Thoughts, Craig, initially? Uh, I think
0: whether it's an improvement or entirely depends on your mood. If I want to watch an action film, I'd watch this one. But If I want to watch a horror experience i would watch the first one but i love this movie i think um it does a lot of groundwork for what would become essentially cliches in science fiction you know in terms of um the colonial marines all the technology the catchphrases the the armor the look of everything is just kind of it bleeds into games and uh, films from right. then on
1: yes so
2: yeah i, I agree I like it. chris initial thoughts
1: uh, same here, pretty much. Uh, Craig said exactly what I, I wanted to say. You know, it, it's, it's a different film from the first, and um, it's one of those before it was even sort of written on the on the piece of paper in front of me. Best sequel ever with a question mark. I mentioned to my dad last night that I was going to rewatch it before the podcast. He says it's the best sequel ever. <laughs> so <laughs> I, can, yeah, I can't really certain... go against him. Really,
2: it's a fairly common opinion, I think. And uh, <laughs> Natalie, what um, are your initial aliens thoughts?
3: Well, I feel like Aliens, of uh, all of the Alien movies, is one that I've seen the most. Um, it actually took me until you, Craig, and myself went to see Alien at the cinema that I was like, oh, I don't know if I've actually seen Alien before. Because <laughs> I've literally just watched Aliens like, over and over again. You're so far more one. familiar
2: with the sequel.
3: Yeah, like I, just, I know that one. Like I don't know, there's a lot of imagery that stands out for me that kind of haunted a lot of my childhood. So, um... I think you're saying like it's not horror, but for me as like a an eight-year-old, it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> an eight-year-old. Seven. Seven-year-old. I don't know. It's pretty young.
2: That's pretty horrific. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's it's interesting. It obviously picks up immediately after uh, after the, the original. Uh, for Fifty-seven but years immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you find Ripley in the same place that we last saw her, um, but the movie turns everything that we've seen before on its head it just uh, kicks into high octane action gear pretty quickly introduces you to a whole cast of uh, colonial marines and their sort of bravado Uh, and obviously instead of just one alien to deal with creeping around dark corridors uh, there's tons there's tons and tons hundreds at least so yeah do you think it was a good idea to, to flip it on its head and take it a different direction natalie
3: it doesn't feel like a different direction to me though, because it's the first one that I saw. <laughs> so I feel like but if
2: you think about them sort of yeah. sequentially, I mean, you've got your original, the dark, uh, creepy, haunted house in space, as we said last time.
3: Oh, so we did. Uh,
2: and then image. this is this is just all action, all out. Well, pulse rifles.
0: I don't know if it is like
3: all action. There's a lot of like political undertones that it,
0: it takes over an hour before you see an alien. Yeah.
3: Yeah, like they do have like the try and develop that thing with the guy who's kind of like where's a suit in space i don't know why space suit it's not a space suit oh, right. <laughs> um so i don't know i find it hard to compare it to the first one as it is for me the first one <laughs> sorry ask craig he'll know
0: craig what do you think <laughs> I think it is a good idea to change stuff up because how many sequels do we watch that are just the original but bigger, you know? And it's so they could have went for a horror thing again with more people to get killed, and that would have been boring, Um, Mm -hmm. or that would have been the third one. Um, But in this one, it kind of shows you what the franchise is capable of. You know, you get lots of expanded stuff. You get an idea of what life is like outside of the, the small bubble that we saw in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get we get so much more. And uh, James Cameron really, like, develops the universe in a way that wouldn't have happened if you'd just done the same again. So I think it's great. It shows the viability.
2: Yeah, and I think um, you don't really learn all that much about the characters in the first one. Uh, but then, obviously, you get kind of introduced to, uh, to this backstory of Ripley's and how she's uh you know has this daughter back on earth that she's now kind of outlived. Um Chris what do you think? Do you think that uh as well as kind of beefing up the action, there's you know, they develop the, the character of Ripley which would then go on to kind of uh you know she'd star in a couple more sequels and become a bit of a, a bit of an icon.
1: Yeah, I think they, they developed it really well and you know that like Natalie says in the first bit it, it's a bit slow in sort of introducing you to this, you know, 50 years on the universe and what they've done and expanding and colonisation. And they do deal a little bit with how, you know, Ripley's dealt with the fact that she's lived her own daughter. You know, she promised she'd be back within months and instead, you know, she's missed the entire life of her child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, but
3: that's a risk that you take, though, when you go to space.
1: <laughs> I suppose when you go to cry rested. or sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well you, you have to wonder how much of society moves on while people are sleeping. You know, there's gotta be a lot of times where people just wake up and everything's changed, although the Weyland-Yutani Corporation always endures apparently.
2: <laughs> I think it's I think it's weird that I feel really familiar with the movie and, and you know, I kind of associate it with the the Marines and the and that the action side, but you know, watching it again, um, you kind of well, I personally kind of forget about the whole the, the Loss that Ripley goes through at the beginning, and obviously then that kind of um, goes on to colour her relationship with Newt when she eventually comes across the new girl that they find. Um, you know, and that I think that plays a big part in the movie, which is often kind of overlooked because it's thought of as being this kind of bombastic action sequel to the to the original sort of more uh, stripped back version.
0: Yeah, um, and Ripley losing her daughter thing is. It, obviously we do spend an hour just kind of with her dealing with that, you know, before everything kind of kicks off, but mm-hmm. um, it is weird how it does sort of get pushed into the background, but it's easy to forget that that's the kind of central conflict, well not conflict, but the central emotional arc of the film, because mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of her relationship with Newt underpins everything, and it just so happens there's aliens killing everyone in the background, it's kind of that that human story grounds the sci-fi-ness but I forget about Newt being in this film sometimes you know when I'm thinking about it
2: yeah that's what I mean as well I think that it's as you've said it kind of um, drives the whole arc and yet my first impression or my first thoughts of it are about you know Marines, space Marines blasting hundreds and hundreds of aliens. Natalie thoughts? Ripley-Newt relationship?
3: Um, I think she's looking for, or they're both looking to have that sort of void filled. She's just become aware that her daughter, who she last knew, was ten, um, and Newt has lost her entire family, so they are supposed to I suppose, come together and sort of be like a wee mini family for each other. Um, I don't know if it like works super, super well, but it's definitely quite cute to watch when she's like making her open up to her and tells her that her name's not Rebecca. You know, they do sort of play with a wee bit of each other, but I don't know if they're given enough, but then it's not about them. It's not about...
2: I don't know, maybe it is all about motherhood. I mean, she comes up against uh, an alien queen who's Aww,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, you know pumping out eggs and <laughs> looking after her brood.
3: Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and
3: then she kills them.
2: Yeah, yeah. So You have to wonder where that saying? thing was in the first one. <laughs> yeah, just hanging
0: You're out
3: having a sleep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> On a shiz <shares> along somewhere.
3: Ha. <laughs> <laughs> huh. um, aye, but if it was about motherhood then she'd be like, then that alien deserves to be a mother, so I'm gonna leave you to it, let you have your alien babies and I'm gonna go away and do home. Well, than.
2: she's protecting her own now surrogate child against Someone who's protecting her actual children.
3: Why is there not enough like space
1: in the universe? <laughs> there's enough room for all of us. <laughs> yeah,
3: for everyone to exist.
1: <laughs> Even if you're an yeah. acidic space alien, you you know, there's space for you.
3: There is! Like, come on, we kind of presume that we're... Like, I actually agreed with the bad guy at one point because he says something like um, they talk about wanting to leave the planet um, and destroy it. Or not the planet, whatever it is the little colony, and then like, oh, we'll destroy it from space. Um, and then the guy's like, well, that's not your decision to make if that species survives or not. Mm. And that's mm. true. Like, there is enough space for them But talking about space, right, isn't it weird when Ripley's been hanging about for 57 years, going through core places and stuff, and then the guy goes, yeah, it's like one in a thousand that we found you. out of the whole universe.
0: Well it's it a very small a it's a very small craft, and space is very, very big,
3: yeah, so how's it only one in a thousand like uh, she could have gone anywhere in fifty seven years
0: maybe she drifted past a lot of inhabited planets
3: <laughs> mentally
0: it's also possible <laughs> that um that that what's his name that Burke is uh not very smart and just says things. <laughs>
3: Maybe. That's a, that's a that be, good way of covering up for the crap that they've come out with. But one in a thousand. He's I'm
0: no like... scientician, remember?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, I, but I was like, one in a thousand? Mate, how big's the universe? Just been reading about how many million, million, 54 million light years like a black hole is away from us. So there's a lot of space.
2: <laughs> Alright, before we dive too deeply into the character motivations and the and the plot, etc, Chris you mentioned before that um, this is considered, or by many people the best sequel ever. Um, I just wanted to know what you guys think in terms of uh, sequels, where this Where this ranks. Um, Craig, what do you think?
0: Uh, personally, I prefer Terminator 2. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um Yes. Back to the Future 2 as well. Um, Empire Strikes Back, which could be considered a sequel, although it's just another chapter. Who knows? Um, this The whole, what is a Star Wars film in relation to another Star Wars films is another debate. <laughs> yeah. well, um,
2: it's a very good debate sequel. is addressed
0: in Scream 2 itself, a sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's a good sequel, and I do like the sequels that do something a bit different, and the three that I've described uh well, the four that I've described, all do things a bit differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it's up there with the
2: the best of sequels. A quick Google kind of brings up quite a few lists where this is, you know, features in the top three multiple times.
1: Um, Chris, what are your thoughts? I agree. I think it's one of the better ones. It does something different with the original material. It still keeps the tension and everything there because despite the fact you kind of know what they're going to be going into to an extent you know you you're, you still feel all that tension you know because all the characters around are sort of ignorant and going yeah well it's going to be nothing we're going to be able to deal with this easy uh you know even if there is something there and you're sitting going no we know what you're going into you know <laughs> so yeah I, I like it and natalie you you've already
2: kind of mentioned that you might have seen mm. this before you saw the original. No, so I did.
3: It didn't. It's not a main title.
2: So does that kind of, of colour your opinion on it as a sequel?
3: Um, I, I think it sort of changes that a wee bit. But if we're talking about sequels, does Cool Runnings have a sequel?
2: Maybe it's got a spiritual sequel. All
3: right, I don't know why, but in my head, like you he said something <laughs> about a sequel, and I was like, the best sequel. What could be the best sequel? And I was like,
2: Cool Runnings. I
3: don't know why I lost watched. in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My head went straight to Kill Ring. <laughs> <way. laughs> I think
2: I think this might be the best sequel. I mean, Terminator Two is a good shout as well. No, but
3: I think Terminator Two is like brilliant. But
2: think about like so many people who are fans of this what series. What about
3: Homeland? No, 2? Homeland fans of series. the
2: Alien series might uh, list this as their favorite entrant in the in the series. So you know, lots of people considering this.
3: Do you mean because it's like considered better than the first one, then that makes it the ultimate like sequel? Yeah,
2: well, I mean, they're they're so different that it that it is tough to compare properly, like for like. They are so different. But um, but I think enough people probably consider this the best one in the in the series. I think
3: that that's true of Terminator.
2: What well, you don't like?
3: I think that salvation. Most, I think most people <laughs> will prefer the second one over the first one.
2: Well, that's kind of why I said yeah, I agree with you on Terminator. <laughs>
3: so then you can't say that that because the people who watch Alien. So really, it better.
2: it's all down to James Cameron.
3: Did he direct Terminator 2?
2: Yeah, he did. And Piranha 2. <laughs> I don't know if that's any better than Piranha 1.
3: <laughs> um, I don't know, I don't know. Like, I don't have a big thing of what all the sequels in the world are. There's probably
2: oh, all of the sequels in the world. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I feel like there might be. A right, better.
2: okay, is it better than Ice Age 2?
3: Well you can't compare Kung Fu Panda to 2 another. Kung Fu Panda 2
2: it's pretty <laughs> I good. thought you might I
3: thought you might say that <laughs> Toy Story 2 Oh see like seriously but you can't compare Aliens to Toy Story 2 and you can't compare Aliens to Kung Fu Panda 2
2: D2 The Mighty Ducks You can compare That's them in easy.
0: the sense that they're, <laughs> you can compare them in the sense that they're both sequels to films that were also good
3: uh, You can't compare them to each other but the, you'd have to only compare it to the movie the movie that came out before it. Right. No, seriously, because you could only compare Aliens to Alien. You could only compare Toy Story 2 to Toy Story on how good a sequel it was, because you can't cross those sequels over different movies. Right, right. One, <laughs> thing, one
2: thing I think makes this a great, a great sequel is it introduces a whole lot of new characters who... I feel also (laughs) become almost as iconic as as Ripley, and probably more so for me than the characters in the original. Almost none of which were born at the time of the first film.
3: What do you mean, almost all? Aren't they all? They're not 57. Um, None of them are going to be born.
0: There's got to be someone on the ship that's over 57.
3: Does it look like it? it
2: Bishop,
3: maybe? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, Bishop was an upgraded
2: model. Yeah. He might have been upgraded from an old, an old version.
1: He might have been. He might have had a patch. Maybe. <laughs> Reused the chassis. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so
0: what none, do you think? Well, of... None of the characters were born in the first one, anyway. Yeah, which is right. strange when you think about it. When they're all the same age, Apart from Ripley, relatively. Ripley and,
3: and
0: the Cat. Josie. Yeah. yeah.
3: Is the cat the the first cat? like, did he reprise it all or was he dead?
0: I don't know. <laughs> did anyone look up?
3: <laughs> did anyone look if up? it was the, original, see, the Jonesy. original Jonesy?
0: Looking it up. I can hear you typing. Oh <laughs> 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 <Well>, wait. <laughs> uh, doesn't say.
3: What? <laughs> but they always say, like, oh, you know, Beethoven was played by Beethoven. <laughs> Damn. You mean the dog? Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> of course do. Okay. You've you've mentioned um, the man in the space suit, Burke, the baddie, the antagonist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Chris, what do you think of
1: what do you think of Paul Reiser in this in this role? Oh, uh, and I've, I, you know what? I think he did he did pretty well in the role. It's it's a sort of proper corporate baddie, though, isn't it? It's yes. you know trying to you know yeah okay what we'll do is we'll infect you both and uh, then I'll get them through customs, and then we could reuse these aliens, and you're thinking, no, everyone will die. That's a bad idea. <laughs> bad choices. you know. And I don't even know if by the end he actually regrets any of these choices at all. It's as if he just doesn't learn as he goes round.
2: Yeah, he is a proper slimy corporate guy. I thought that that might be a kind of um, reaction to 80s culture that was going on at the time when this was made. Um Paul Reiser, probably more known for comedic roles, but I think he is quite... I mean, he works as the kind of slimy, spineless uh, company man. And I I I agree as well. I think that... Sorry, go on.
0: I seem to remember most of his roles where he's a bit of an asshole. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'm just confusing him with other people, but, you know, it seems like he's the the asshole in everything he's in. (laughs) So well-versed
2: in assholery. (laughs) Well... Natalie, any thoughts about um, about Burke as a he's baddie?
3: He's an asshole. <laughs> he's a, but the thing is, though, that's a good thing. Like, I feel like I have such a strong reaction to him because his character has played very, very well. Mm-hmm. So if I was a bit like meh about him, then I'd be like, oh, they've kind of wasted an opportunity. But he's such a blank. <laughs> and... Is <the game. laughs> that
2: so you stopping yourself from swearing?
3: I censored myself. All
2: right, okay.
3: <laughs> because the word I wanted to use is terrible and uh, and. I'll,
2: yeah, so. Um, I think it's interesting that, again, in the original, the baddie was the alien. Okay, Ash turned out to be a bit of a baddie. But in this one, there is actually a human antagonist who mm-hmm. is kind of working against his fellow humans, even while there's a load of creepy xenomorphs trying to get in and drag them off to be impregnated. Yeah,
3: he's trying to impregnate
2: them. I mean, who's worse? Him or them?
3: Yeah, obviously him, because he's betraying his own kind.
0: Well, I mean, you can't hate the aliens, you know, in the same way that you can't hate um, you? lions or whatever. You know, anything that will... <laughs> Does
3: <it> anyone <laughs> hate lions? Oh, my God. If, yeah. In the context of a <laughs> Angus! Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: that guy that paid to shoot him.
3: Fucking people, oh. who, people who pay to to do that animals. I hate lions. Ten
2: <laughs> Fuck I don't God. know, bad example, but you could...
0: Uh, well, you can't really hate the aliens because they're just a force of nature. You know, like in zombie films, like the zombies are usually uh, side to whatever else is going on because they're just something that will show up to cause problems at some point. But they're like, it's the equivalent of a, a hurricane or something like that. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to deal with yeah. it. But So you can't really hate them. So that's where it's good to have a, a human, or in the case of the first one, an android antagonist, someone that's mm-hmm. actively working against the... The, the interests of the the group um, that really mm. needs to be dealt with. It kind of focuses your, your hatred. Uh, the aliens you can be terrified of, but you can't really hate them.
3: Well, you can hate them for trying to occupy the same land as humans, but I guess aliens were there first.
2: So and what really, were they, what were they so doing the whole time between the Nostromo leaving? And the colony being set up.
3: Sleeping. You don't know their incubation period. And obviously, like, the big mother alien, like, she was maybe really, really tired and time works differently for them. <laughs> well, they have to gestate.
0: Yeah, they have to gestate inside a host, don't they? So, um, without hosts, there can be no aliens. Really.
3: Also, like, how... Lo- right, so this is really bothering me, right? So, I thought I'd figured it out because we started watching it just before we were doing this and... I'm trying to figure out how long Newt has been like on her own because when I was younger I thought that she'd been there for for months or maybe like a year or years it felt like a really really long time but when they're on the like international wee space station (laughs) they get told like oh no wait there's a comment before that when the guy's like oh I wasn't going to ask them if it was okay because you know what they're like they would say yeah and it takes two weeks for them to tell us so it takes two weeks for information to come back or two weeks for people to like get there or something like that. Maybe that's a presumption that I made. But if they lost signal with that colony and then they went out straight away and that's maybe like two weeks and then Ripley's like, oh, she survived 17 days or like more than 17 days um, on her own like, more than that without any training or weapons. I'm like, how long is she actually supposed to have been there? Because she can't have been there for that long on her own. Like, it would have to have been, like, just a couple of weeks. And even though the aliens are really scary in that the couple of weeks would actually seem like forever, it's not actually forever, it's a really short amount of time, and she looks like a mess.
1: Well, it's enough to traumatise you though, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, if you're being stuck there. You're right, I think the guy says it takes about two weeks to get a reply. So that's about a week for the transmission to get back to Earth and a week for the transmission to get back to the colony again with a reply. Oh, so, so, maybe say, it does say, they seem were having, travel. say they were having to check in every day to say, yep we're, yep, we're here, yep, we're here, yep, we're here. Then it would take a week before that, we're here, not to arrive, and if the you know what I mean. For them to then, mm-hmm. yeah, for them then to get back in touch. So yeah, she must have been there for at least a couple of weeks. But when you first see her in her little sort of den in the air duct, yeah. you know she's got tons of food and stuff. So you can imagine she's just been hiding there, you know, and and that's where she's been the whole time. Because if she had strolled outside, she'd yeah. been dead.
3: Yeah, and weirdish. Well, she has been like strolling outside though because she's she's moving around and she's like moving around when the humans are there. She doesn't know that they that humans are there.
0: She moves around during the
3: the, day. Yeah, she's in the air docks and stuff.
2: (laughs) During the day, you say? (laughs)
3: Yeah, because we all know (laughs) when the aliens come out. (laughs) Mostly
0: mostly at night. Mostly. Mostly. (laughs) Uh, uh,
3: Mostly.
2: Do you think think Newt's good? Is she a good character? She played well?
0: For me, she's kind Um, of that standard precocious child. She's just kind of... You know, she's very, very smart for her age and it's kind of almost like an adult's writing what they think a child might talk like but have no idea. <laughs> um, and she's fine. I think um, she's better as a representation of what Ripley's going through rather than a character on her own.
3: Yeah, I like her. She's, um, she's an interesting wee creature. <laughs> Try and play it out though, like that. I use creature only because when you first meet her, she's. That's why the whole concern with time is because it's not just what she looks like or that she's made this den. It's that she's actually like very feral, like in how she moves and how she acts. She's. She doesn't talk. It's like she's not spoken for many years, and and her actions of like. Going into the little corner like the way that she does, or making like little noises like to try and get away and stuff. Like, she acts like completely like
2: maybe just maybe her nature prepared creature. her to uh to survive like in that environment, and that's why the rest of the colonists all got uh, dragged off because she just happened to be a weird, feral little kid that <laughs> was suited to that environment. A survivor, it's
3: not like that when we first see her though. Because we do get an introduction to her and her family when her father and her mum eh, go out and find the ship, mm-hmm. the alien ship. So we see her with her parents and we see her with her brother, but we don't see how she gets back. They never uh, explain. Do they explain that?
2: Well, yeah, the dad gets. He um, gets face suckered. Gets hugged in the face. And then uh, the so mum kind the of.
3: the mum them back?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because she or calls she, it, or do they in, take the
3: dad she? on board and it's like the dad getting back into the the colony that then screws everything up for everyone else? Yeah, pretty so much. Yeah. That. Hmm.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It seems much like they happens. go and investigate again because they end up with more facehuggers in the lab, don't they? So they could yeah. only have got mm. one off of him. So they yeah. must have went back to investigate, and that's when they've brought more and more and more of them in. That's well,
3: there's real that, shady shit.
0: There's that entire chunk of story that kind of happens off-screen, you know, where they, you, you go from the first discovery of the facehugger to when the Marines get there and the, there's a lab full of them, some dead, Yay. some not, you know, and it's like... How
3: did they even have a lab, like, ready for that? Like, this is really Probably just like a standard shady. lab. Well, I feel like the bad guy, like, definitely knew that they actually maybe already knew that the aliens were there. Like, and I think that's what they try and, like, aim... Get across, like they've put this colony up there to all be eventually impregnated by the aliens, and they've been studying them already. So, even at the very start, when he's like, Oh, we don't know what you're talking about, with no idea of these things, like he's actually bullshitting her because they know exactly what they're sending them all into, you know. And it looks very much like it's very well set up, and that they've been studying them for a while.
0: Well, the company sends the nostromo there uh, purposefully in the first one. So they know that mm-hmm. something's there. I mean, they mm-hmm. may never get a report about what it actually is, but um, you can sort of assume that they maybe sent a scouting expedition between times or or whatever yeah, t- else. Yeah, because it
3: feels it feels very much like um like the bad guy definitely knows that they are there and that they're being studied and that his mission is just to go and try and bring something back because there's been some sort of problem.
0: And remember and what's that's learned that's in Prometheus. Hmm? No, let's not. Let's not remember what <laughs> was learned in
1: Prometheus. Oh,
3: okay. I liked Prometheus.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> when I running did, although... from a massive space donut, always run left. <laughs> yeah, just don't get rolled oh, over. That's yeah. right. what we learned from Prometheus.
3: Space donuts are wacky. Space donuts. <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh, what do you think of the, the colonial marine force that's uh, sent in to deal with this bug hunt? Uh, any particular standout
3: you soldiers, a.k.a.
2: marines, from this? You know there is. I know you're going to mention...
3: You know there is. Paxton. Yes.
2: <laughs> R.I.P. in peace.
3: Oh. I'm so angry at his death because he was... So beautiful. I
2: think he's a great character in this. Craig, I don't know if you agree because I think you think he's only on screen, you know, from bits he's and pieces, so but I think fun. he stands out he's so, so good. much. Well,
3: he's He's got some he's great He's the
2: coward ones. of the group, isn't he? You know,
0: he's yeah.
3: not a coward. He's, if he was a coward, he wouldn't even be there. Well,
0: well he, it's funny because when they're dropping, they're in the dropship, all he does is brag about how much of a badass he is, and then as soon as they're <laughs> on the ground, all he wants to do is, like, leave and cry. He's, he's amazing. amazing. Hey,
3: he's so lovable. Like, he's thought... <laughs> And character-wise, like, yeah, and like when um, Ripley has to give him like a pep talk and being like, you know, Newt's done it and she's survived, so let's get our shit together and we'll do this. So you're gonna go do this, you know. She really takes control of of uh, the new situation that they're in, and you can see him as we quivering lip because he's like so scared, and it's so like, ah, oh, I don't know why. I really like his character, but I also totally fancied him in the movie. So, I'm <laughs> biased. <laughs> I think he's
2: really good, and I think almost every one of his lines is sort of quotable and stands out. I think it's pretty. I think he does an amazing job um, to make a sort of supporting character like that, and especially one that is the the coward, the the, uh, the yellow one of the group. <laughs> that uh, you know that he he makes a sort of endearing coward, even if he is a you know bragging to begin with, and Full
1: of all this kind of swag He's the one that gets the most development out of them As well, you know, out of all the marines Because he goes from, you know, being bragging Showing that he's, you know, sort of a bit broken A bit meek, To then, you know, taking charge In a way, towards the end So he's the one that gets given a bit of development The rest of them sort of stay pretty much On their their base traits from the beginning
0: Mm Mm-hmm Fun fact, Bill Paxton is the only actor that I can think of that has been killed by an alien, a predator, and a Terminator.
3: Terminator?
0: Yeah, he's one of the punks in Terminator 1.
3: How did I not remember that?
0: Because it's a very small role and you can barely tell it's him.
3: Yeah, that's... Oh, okay, as I said, that's normally the crap that I remember.
0: But yeah, he's been killed by all three
2: of the major uh, Hollywood killing machines. (laughs)
3: That's
2: impressive. I think the rest of the the Marines. Um, it's interesting that you get this kind of build up. You get a bit of their um, their relationships with each other in the in the scenes where they're you know aboard the Solaco and coming out of cryosleep, uh, interacting with each other during the meal, and you get a feel for how they all feel about each other. Um, but then you know don't quite a lot of them get wiped out really quickly. <laughs> you know it's quite it's quite. Uh, It's quite a bold move to introduce all these characters just to have and to give them to give them some interesting traits just to have them sort of wiped out in one fell swoop.
0: The cryosleep thing always amuses me because in the first one it's seen as a very kind of slow warm up process or even at the start of this one. But they, you know, you've got them like they wake up and they're they're uh, cracking wise within seconds you even get the cigar coming out like immediately as soon as the guy wakes up it's yeah. just you know um, I wonder if it's just one of those things that gets easier the more you do it or you just don't admit that you're struggling
2: yeah I think that just they're, it, it's all just great character sort of beats and things for each one of them they, and you, you get the relationships from the off with Apone and his cigar and uh, Hudson's already moaning about how cold the floor is <laughs> I also think it's interesting that um, Hicks, even though he's being played by Michael Bean and probably stood out at the time as uh, as being the potential action hero, uh, he kind of blends in with the rest of them and, and only emerges once uh, the shit hits the fan
1: and he's left alive. Corporal Kyle Reese. Yeah, as sort of one of the things that I liked about it is that despite the fact you're introduced to all these Marines at the beginning. There's no particular highlight that says, oh, this is the little band that you're going to have by the end. A lot of films now sort of obviously signpost and go, well, we're giving this one plenty to say here and we're giving this one plenty to say here. And you're like, oh, well, those those are the ones that are going to be surviving. Whereas Mm -hmm. with this, you get introduced to the whole band and you don't really know who's going to go on.
0: Yeah. I always liked Vasquez for some reason. There was something that always stood out to me about her. I think it's the more the the fact that she's the, kind of the the only female marine in the bunch, and she can kind of hold her own against the rest she's of them. She's not
3: it's the only female. Uh,
2: there's
0: there's, a, the
3: only female. there's like three. There's at least there's like two three. more. Yeah, four. There's a pilot. There's two women in the in the actual like shooting group, and then Ripley. There's four.
0: Well, she's the prominent well, Ripley, one. Though. Ripley is a no marine.
3: But okay, so there's three marines that are female, and then there's Ripley. That's four.
2: Yeah obviously as the, as one of you the sur- the survivors of the first assault vasquez does stand out but i think that she um you know she obviously gets some good lines to begin with kind of holds her own uh, amongst the the group of mainly guys and her relationship with uh, drake i think it is, is is interesting as well like they seem like a a good team and that they're you know when he gets taken out she she obviously feels it because uh because they were like buddies
0: and i think she inspires dizzy in uh, starship
2: troopers yeah, I'd agree with that. Right, Natalie. Any what? any thoughts on Marines in particular, other than uh, Hudson?
3: Nope. <laughs> no. I don't like. I don't know. It's a bit strange that the Marines are the ones that are now up fighting alien battles.
2: What do you think of the character uh, of Gorman, Lieutenant Gorman, who's supposed to be in charge of them all, but ends up kind of...
3: stepping to the side.
2: Yeah, following orders, following Ripley's orders. Um, and also, you know, clearly he's...
3: She's the most experienced of them all. Well, he's, he's inexperienced. He's their elder. He's so.
2: inexperienced, and they all know it, and they all kind of treat him like that, because they know that he's really green. Well... He's
3: mm-hmm. really green. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Okay. Aye. Like, what... what? What, what do you want to say?
2: What do you think of the fact that they've got this commanding officer who who can't take control?
3: Well, it just shows like a weakness, doesn't it?
2: Do you think that was? Do you think that was part of Burke's plan?
3: To have a in well, he, so. he knew he
2: wanted to get some of them killed off, so take this guy who doesn't what? know
3: what he's he doing. To... Um, yeah, but I don't understand why he completely underestimated Ripley when if he knew about the aliens and he knew her like account of what happened. And even though everyone doubted it and he knew it to be true, I don't know why he underestimated her so much when she's the one that survived. So maybe it's a lesson of don't underestimate Segrina Weaver.
1: <laughs> I think it's all an element of cockiness. It's this sort of thing of, oh well that was fifty years ago, technology's moved on now, we can deal with anything. You know? It's, you know, she only had one to deal with and, you know, we, we've got an entire squad of Marines that are going to be able to knock this place out in minutes. And, you know, it just doesn't go that way. I don't know if he knows specifically what's there. I mean, he sort of he told that investigation, you know, the mum and dad to sort of go and look at the, the craft. But you don't know how long he's been getting reports from that lab. You know, they say they've lost contact, but they don't tell you that they lost contact after the lab had started work. Or if, you know, they just lost contact as soon as they started investigating. You'd think they would have fed something back about the Mm -hmm. state of the, you know, the colonists. Going, oh, we've lost two colonists to this. Well, they have... Before they sort of deploy everything.
0: They have Ripley's report on disk, uh, as is repeated twice. At least twice. Um, So... I guess the Marines will have at least Ripley's account of what went on should they want to read it, although maybe they didn't bother reading it or maybe it was heavily censored, we just don't know. But yeah, I get the impression that whatever threat we're going into, that was, uh, you know, a bunch of miners managed to defeat that. You know, we're Marines, we'll be fine.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definite overconfidence. And even though they, um, even though, you know, we've mentioned um, a lot about the kind of The action, the firefights, and things that take place in this. After the after the Marines get kind of decimated to begin with, um, the the remaining party get kind of. They just have to hole up inside the inside the colony because uh, they have to wait for um, for rescue. And it's so it's it's interesting that we kind of think of it as being a kind of war movie or a kind of action packed movie, but but then it does come back to kind of hiding out, (laughs) sealing the doors. And uh, setting up the perimeter, setting up the turrets and stuff. I think it's quite it's quite tense there when they get when you get to that point of the movie.
0: I can't believe it takes them that long to realise that the aliens that are showing up on their motion trackers as being on top of them are inside the air ducts.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty fatal flaw in your motion <laughs> tracker if it only works in two dimensions.
0: <laughs> but they no, it doesn't occur to anyone until it's like too late. You know, especially since Newt's been climbing about in the air ducts for. Three weeks or four weeks or however long it's been, um, but no one's thinking maybe those aliens are climbing around in there too. It's
3: because people
1: think things us. that they're more clever than everything else. That was just one of my favourite scenes the whole thing. with the aliens sort of coming through the air duct. You know, it was you know you, you, the trackers sort of pinging and they're getting closer, 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 and it's, they're in this room. Yeah, you know, it's I just it was one of my favourite bits.
2: Yeah, and it's cool that um, they kind of reference back to the original where, you know, there's a lot of crawling about in shafts and uh, beeping motion trackers and stuff, and they still manage to kind of evoke that imagery again. uh, Almost 60 years later. Even though you've got hundreds more aliens kicking about.
0: (laughs) What I don't like is
2: that, uh, or what
0: I do like is that in most sequels where you have sort of one unkillable thing or just on TV or anything uh, and suddenly you have to ramp it up to have several unkillable things and you know in order to make the heroes stand a chance those unkillable things are suddenly killable but you, I don't get the impression that the aliens are any weaker in numbers you know because they they pretty much lose every engagement they have with them
2: mm-hmm. yeah there's they have better weapons
0: armor. of course but um but still, you know, they're able to take down one or two of them, but not many. Mm-hmm.
3: Is it the first or second one that she's in the, the, the loader?
2: The this one.
3: This one. Well, because I was watching it and I got really confused between if that's how she'd like, destroyed something at the end of the last one, or if they were setting it up for the end of the second one. I couldn't remember. And um, have you all seen that Halloween costume that that guy made?
1: With the baby in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It's pretty cool. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well,
3: I thought it was pretty cool. That was that was all I was going to say.
1: So one
2: of my favorite bits.
3: <laughs> <laughs> is that where we're on? Are we talking about favorite bits?
2: Yeah. Is uh, oh. is when they've got the turrets set up, and I'm not usually a fan of uh, looking at computer screens as action, but watching the watching the um, counters tick down all the way as the as the guns go dry. I find really quite tense, and even watching it, you know, for the whatever twentieth, thirtieth, fiftieth time, I still I still really like that bit where uh, where Hex is kind of counting down the the remaining ammo and the guns, and the aliens eventually kind of stop just at just in time. And,
3: they and they've got like off. three
0: shots left or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah.
3: I think we're gonna see actually like what one of my favourite bits is right there and I'm glad that you didn't
2: alright go on
3: I really like when they first encounter the aliens and Ripley is in one of the ships and saying like call them back, call them back get them in blah 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 and the guy's really reluctant to, to do it because the only way that we see the action is through the really crappy cameras that they have and I really like that in the first one we would have been like first person seeing all of the action with the aliens and seeing all of the like a murder death kills and stuff, but um, we're kind of separated from it, and it kind of makes watching what would have been a very similar scene like really, really interesting. So I found it, I found that like a it's maybe not my favourite scene, but I really appreciated that scene in keeping it quite fresh because it is a sequel it's the same sort of bad aliens we've got the aliens and stuff they're doing the same thing they're killing in the same way they're having people's faces and um, and they kept it fresh by having that by um, having that your viewpoint into the action
2: it makes you feel quite helpless and as well yeah, because, yeah, you're, because you're from it. you're watching along with Ripley and the others mm-hmm. and you just see them all getting kind of picked off and th- these marines that we're sort of introduced to as badasses mm-hmm. who just are so easily dealt with by these aliens
3: yeah yeah if I really like it, I really like that scene just because I don't know maybe I don't know it's weird that it makes me think of the first one but it makes me just feel like watching something super super fresh hmm. maybe not super fresh I don't <laughs> know, yeah I just like it.
2: Any particular standout moments for you guys? I always like the scene
0: where they're trapped in with a face hugger because it's kind of it comes from anywhere or it can That's come so from anywhere. Cute. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, that's cute. Like, it's, it's cute. Like, in that scene. It, oh, I mean, the I thing is, like, um, it doesn't have the same effect as in the first one, of course, where uh, you think where anybody's kind of expendable. Um, obviously, viewing it from years on, you know, you know that Ripley's the, the survivor. But um, if you kind of put yourself in the mindset, it's anybody's expendable. So any scene is, you know, mm-hmm. um, any scene has jeopardy, but. I kind of don't feel the same level of jeopardy for Ripley in this one, because I feel like she's the experienced one. She's going to get it out, get out of it. Here's, um, this is the person we're following. Plus, I don't think James Cameron's even going to kill a child. So, um. <laughs>
3: Watch this space. Except Does in Titanic, it? where he yeah. kills
0: several. But, uh, <laughs> Because
3: everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a true story, though.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. There's nothing he can do about that. Yeah, um. But anyway, uh, that scene I always found quite tense because the room's quite busy, there's so many things it can hide behind and you get the kind of the noises and the scurrying noises and it's really cool.
3: I love uh, it. I wouldn't say it's scurrying, it's like scuttling. It's the, really like I don't know, it makes me think of like a Jim Henson puppet or something. I think it's really cute.
2: There's also been the there was the nightmare sequence at the beginning when she she's sort of back at the space station and um Thinks that she's, you know, that, that there's a chest burster about to erupt out of her, and so I don't know if it kind of comes across during that scene as well that it might be this nightmare because she kind of jolts awake, and uh, yeah, as you say, it's all very tense. You kind of see these um, big jars kind of rocking on the floor. I just wonder if uh, face huggers are daft enough that they wouldn't, you know, be able to sense that there were potential targets right there straight away and just go right in. Yeah, do think they have to search around to find a face to hug and kiss?
0: Well, it looks like they don't have any eyes, so there, there must be some kind of echolocation going on.
2: One hell of a nose.
0: Yeah, maybe if you hold perfectly <laughs> still, a face hugger can't find you.
3: What if they've just got tiny eyes?
0: It'd be, it'd be, yeah. You can't really see much behind all that that vagina imagery. <laughs> <laughs>
3: What if, they, like, what if they've adapted where they can see but they don't have what we would call eyes? What if it's like their entire head is like an eye?
0: You'd have to ask one of the dead lab technicians that were studying them.
2: Yeah. They wouldn't know. I suppose normally their victims are kind of presented to them so they don't really have to go very far from hatching to uh, attaching.
0: Yeah. When you were talking about the... Um, the nightmare nightmare sequence near the beginning. I kind of took issue with that because it wasn't clear if that was before she'd woken up properly. So, if that's the case, then how does she know Burke? And how does she know what he sounds like? <laughs> yeah, well, she's dreaming about what, meeting him. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then and then when he talks to her, it's as if they've already met. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just took that as kind of shorthand for you know this is this is all kind of gone on.
0: Maybe it really happened. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Chris,
1: any standout moments for you? Um, You've said some of my favourites, but um, I think the reveal of the alien queen's pretty cool, you know, when they sort Mm -hmm. of step through and they're surrounded by all the eggs. You sort of, you you wonder how they're going to get out of that. And the slow reveal of the the queen, I think, was brilliant. Uh, That and um, the mech suit fight at the end. Where the the sort of uh, the door slides open and she's there in the big mech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the queen's an interesting one because obviously now we
2: all feel quite familiar with it, but I wonder what it would have felt like at the time. This was the sort of first um, variation on the xenomorph. Um, and you know, you're, the the originals are pretty horrific, and then yeah, you've just got this disgusting giant uh, egg sac. <laughs> <laughs> alien Queen, um, yeah, I I can't even remember seeing it for the first time. Again, it's not another one of these images that I've you know become so used to that it's so difficult to imagine or think of the time at which I would have had a first reaction to it. I'm wondering if the space jockey gave birth to that alien queen. You think so?
0: Well, obviously the the space the fossilized corpse has a. Um, has an exit wound. Yep. So they don't find the fossilized corpse of an alien anywhere. I mean, they don't really look, I suppose, but it it could stand to reason that that would be the queen. And if Ridley Scott's listening, I don't want the answer to that mystery. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe he doesn't know the answer.
0: Uh, he'll make one up, like he did in Prometheus. What was the
3: question? <laughs>
2: Does the space jockey birth the alien queen? What, what comes out of a, a space jockey?
3: What's a space jockey?
2: Um, The engineers from Prometheus. No, that's not who they are. What? The
0: corpse they discover in the first one. The giant alien corpse with an elephant face.
3: Oh. Nah, I thought that was
2: because they had the big mask on with the sort of no tubing. No. <laughs> what?
0: No, you're, oh you're referencing things that don't exist.
2: Getting into
3: so far deep lore. I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough of this to know what the hell's going on right now.
2: Don't worry. It'll be it'll be explained in multiple sequels from now. A... Good. <laughs> I remember um, being at school and people being. Utterly mesmerized by the idea of strapping a pulse rifle to a flamethrower. <laughs> it was like it was like the the badass thing they'd ever seen, you know, like <laughs> that was like some great improvisation by Ripley, I think. And she got to use the grenade launcher which Hicks said she wouldn't have to.
0: Yeah. It was a good job she asked to be shown it, otherwise that would have been embarrassing.
2: Do you buy that the Alien Queen can uh, just latch onto the shuttle and, uh, and make it back to the Sulaco?
0: I don't see why not. They're pretty resilient creatures. I mean, the, in the first one, it survives out in space for a while until it gets you know, hit by the engine. And even then, it's still alive for a bit. So, yeah, an Alien Queen could make it through the atmosphere. Plus, you don't really know how thin the atmosphere is on LV-426 at this point.
3: Also, I wonder what their evolution process was. You think they started out as like fish?
2: <laughs> I think they started out as little black worms.
3: Cute. <laughs> I can see that pattern.
0: Something that will be explained in yet another later
2: point of <laughs> <laughs> Oh! <No. laughs> So, what do you think is the is the ending with an airlock a bit too similar? Is that the only way you can dispose of a an alien that's happened that's made its way onto your ship? Yeah, I always felt that the ending is like twenty minutes after it should have
0: ended you know the I feel like the the nuclear explosion that decimates the colony that's that feels like a finishing point to me. You could roll credits at that point, and everything's kind of resolved mm-hmm. But once they're, you know, once they get out of the ship and the the queen attacks, I'm like, oh man, this is still on.
3: No, because yeah. if it had just ended with that, everyone would have been like, oh, that's too easy. You need to have like the final showdown. You need to have that one to one battle. And I think that they, you have to dispose of them in the airlock if you value your own life, which they obviously do, because otherwise they would have laid down and died, um, because you can't spill their blood. Because it would eat your yeah. ship.
1: True, true. You'd so end you have lar- to do a lar- large you, hull breach.
3: Like yeah, you like you have to do it in a way that's going to stop any acid blood.
0: How hard was your the ship? fight? Against, how hard was the fight against the Queen and Alien trilogy? I'm just having nightmares to that, you know, flashbacks <laughs> to that right now.
2: I think though it's. Maybe it is a bit of a sort of um, callback to the original. And maybe, as you're saying, Natalie, they feel like they need to have a kind of showdown rather than just having it um, nuked from orbit. Mm-hmm. Although I think that, you know, nuking it from orbit would seem like a kind of fitting end to a movie that's supposed to have kind of been beefed up. It's uh, it's very militaristic. Um, there's a lot more weaponry. And so, yeah, why not? Dropping a nuclear bomb <laughs> on mm-hmm. on the aliens or whatever aliens remain down there does seem like a pretty you know macho way of uh of dealing with them
0: yeah i'd say so um i just always feel like the the ending part is not tacked on but part you know it kind of feels like oh look there's th- this feels resolved now and then i suppose it's the the surprise that oh my god it's still alive but then do you need it maybe not
3: but it's a classic trope, though, isn't it? The whole, they're still alive, they're behind you... It's like... It is what people would have expected and I think it's what people would have wanted. There's like a certain level of satisfaction out right, of, of having that sort of reprise at the end of of a little battle.
2: Some hand-to-hand combat.
3: But if you don't like it, Craig, you can just hit stop. <laughs> just know, believe that it's can, over. You can watch it to the to the satisfactory ending. And just pretend that, that, that is that's
0: the end. I do have films where I have done that. Source code. <laughs> I stop at about five minutes before it actually finishes. <laughs> but that's for the source code podcast. Okay. <laughs>
3: I'm sure everyone's bailed uh, up for
2: that. Is the loader versus Is the loader versus alien queen fight good? I mean it, the the loader's pretty cumbersome and she's like a you know seems like she'd have be a bit more have a bit of agility to get around it. What do you think? Do you yeah, I think it's realistic that this slow ass loader could go toe to toe?
3: My memory is so bad. I don't know why we've switched the TV off because I'd like to have watched this in the background <laughs> to have reminded myself of uh, what, of what oh, that no. looks like. We've
1: learned not to do that. Why? Well, There's not really any protection on the loader. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> like she's guarded in any way. She's pretty exposed exactly. there. And you do think as much as it's kind of awesome the reveal with the the loader and you're thinking oh that's going to be a cool fight it is, like you say, a bit slow and a bit cumbersome when you've seen how agile the aliens have been through the film it it doesn't seem like it would work in reality yeah
3: Yeah, but it's like real life Transformers versus Godzilla you know (laughs)
1: Godzilla (laughs) 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 Transformers v Godzilla yes isn't
3: that
0: just
1: Pacific Rim? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I
0: didn't um,
3: see that hunk of crap,
0: so I don't know. Oh, it's an amazing film. Anyway, um, the the cargo loader fight doesn't last that long. Uh, probably, rightly so. But there's a bit of stop motion involved in getting the thing to move, which is, you know, probably a bit difficult. And uh, I can see that the queen would be in a weakened state. I mean, she's just pulled herself off of her egg sac. Um, she's. Had quite a few grenades to the face. Uh, She's escaped through the atmosphere, but while holding on to the bottom of a ship. So, you know, even the strongest of creatures would be a bit out of sorts after all that punishment. So the fact that, yeah,
2: she gets toppled over, fair enough. And Ripley's wearing Reebok trainers, which, you know, it's a great advert for them for kicking alien ass. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Do you think any of what we've just discussed, our favourite scenes, anything that happens in this movie, uh, surpasses the most iconic moments from the the original? When we talked about it before, we were talking about um, about Alien. I mean, uh, you know, there's the chest burster scene, there's the first reveal of um, horrific face hugging. Um, do you think that anything in this film stands out more so than any of those moments?
0: I'd say it does. I think it has its own iconography that um, has bled into science fiction in general. You know, you've got the, like I said earlier, you've got the whole marine stuff, the militarization, the the, the sort of badass catchphrases, all that stuff. It's like, I remember watching it with a friend a couple of years ago and they were like, oh my God, this is Halo. And it's like, well, no, Halo is this, you know, and uh, things like that. Um, It inspired so much about kind of science fiction and it still is people are still ripping it off in that respect. Mm-hmm. So I think it creates its own new um, iconic stuff. Without, I can't compare any of the iconography at the original because you know, you've know you seen the facehugger, you've seen the the alien birth, and this film doesn't make too big a deal of it either. The only mm-hmm. shock you get is when they discover that survivor and, and everyone in the audience is thinking, yeah, get away from that guy.
2: But, <laughs> we know what's coming.
0: Yeah, because the obvious does happen after that
1: point.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris, what do you think? I think uh, it, a lot of the obvious stuff, like Craig said, that a lot of the reveals have already been done, but it still manages to keep the tension and present some stuff differently. It's just you're not going to get that initial reaction to what an alien looks like or, or the first space hugger scene because you've already seen it. But I think they do do good interpretations and sort of change it up a little.
2: Mm-hmm. I think some of the most lasting... Impressions of it are the fact that it's like insanely quotable. You know, there's so many lines from it that you know can be used and should be used in daily life. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's the biggest impression I take away from it. I don't know if I don't know if any of it kind of is as iconic as the scenes we've been talking about from the original, uh, and it doesn't need to be. You know, I think they maybe went that direction because they've obviously tried to. You know they don't want to be a, a direct comparison take things a bit of a different direction but I just think the script is amazing I think there's so many great lines. Natalie what do you think?
3: Yes there are <laughs> but the only ones I can think of are the ones that Newt says.
2: You like all Newt's dialogue?
3: Well no like I, I like a lot of the dialogue but they're the only ones that I can really remember because we use them in our day to day life. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. We don't, like we do though. So, like, yeah. All right. I'm gonna. Um, I feel like I should have prepped some, but I haven't. Sorry. I'm sharing this because it's important.
2: What? Oh. Never mind. We've lost her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in I'm terms sorry. of in terms <laughs> of uh, what this did for the series. Um, you know, obviously we've we've some of us have ripped on Prometheus a bit in this pod. Some of us have <laughs> um, ripped on AVP etc. in the past. Uh, do you think this was the beginning of the end for for the Aliens series? Don't
3: start it like that. It's so depressing.
2: Well, you know, it was because the
3: beginning of the end. It, it was a good movie. It was so a. It, be the beginning it of was the a end. great
2: beginning, but look what it led to. Do you think everything kind of stems from this?
3: I think as soon as you do crossovers, like for Alien versus Predator. I'm not a huge fan of Predator, except for the one that Adrian Brody's in because love him. Um, so as soon as you start doing crossovers like that, then you're going down a shit hole. <laughs>
2: <sighs> any, so... other thought, any other <laughs> thoughts, guys? I mean, is this was this the beginning of the end? Well, it's the last good Alien film, isn't it?
0: Uh, there's never been a, a, a. I don't really think there's been a good one since. I mean, Alien Three has its moments. Here and there, but it's it's generally quite awful. And Alien Resurrection is just wall to wall terrible. Um, Pr- Prometheus is dreadful too. Um, I'm going to be controversial and say that I don't mind Alien versus Predator. I find it quite enjoyable. A V P two is so dark that I've never seen it. <laughs> it's, you know, not as in thematically as in there are no lights. <laughs> I don't know what's going on at any point, <laughs> but yeah, it's not. Like, yeah, it's not a good legacy after this point. It's kind of like watch the first two and just never go near another alien film ever again because there's nothing else that <laughs> nothing else that can be done. I don't think they've nothing's ever shown us anything new to it, and Ridley Scott couldn't do it with Prometheus, and I highly doubt he can with Covenant.
2: Right, Chris.
1: Um, I agree. Really, I've not after this one. There's not really any that I would go to and go. Oh, I, I, you know what? I fancy watching a bit of that tonight. It's. I think about Alien Two's about where I would cut off. Really, mm-hmm. um, I'm always hopeful that they're going to come back and do something more interesting, or different, or or sort of recapture that glory a little bit. But you know, it's, it's not happened so far.
2: Yeah, it's tough because this is obviously, you know, I think it's a great movie. I, I do think it's kind of, w- what it did for the series The series uh, does kind of lead down the path that we, we've ended up going down. Uh, whether or not we should blame it entirely, I don't think so. But um, I wonder why there's never been, you know, sort of direct sequel to this because this was such a, a winning formula. Uh, they've always tried to kind of take things a little bit differently and or and then they started introducing the versus Predator and, and the prequels and things. Um, but, yeah, it seemed like, you know, it, it seems especially like this is the sort of thing that could have been made into a second-rate sequel of this movie, you know, like Alien 3 or beyond. Could have been a more Marines take on more aliens.
0: Yeah, they could have done that. I mean... Um, obviously, you've got the sequel game, Colonial Marines, which is divisive, to say the least. Um,
2: <laughs> really? We, Does anyone like that?
0: <laughs> we played it and we thought it was playable. <laughs> uh, never actually finished it, but um, yeah, people like the Colonial Marines. I think that's what you know the they respond to. You've got chapters of Colonial Marines all over the world, and. Um, things like that. So I'm surprised they haven't been back to them in in cinematic glory as yet. And Covenant's not going to do it because it's in the past again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I can't blame this film for the rest of them being bad because, you know, it's not James Cameron's fault that other people made bad films. Um, But I'm interested to see what some of our best modern directors could do with it. You know, I'm I'm annoyed that the Neil Blomkamp sequel was uh, was canned because he's a really interesting director and could have done something interesting with it. And mm-hmm. I would have liked to see a Guillermo del Toro alien film. I don't know if he'd ever make one, but you know, I'd like to Ooh. see that.
2: Yeah, I
3: think, well, I think Natalie's buying yeah.
2: that.
3: Yeah. Well, I, but I also don't want him to like take on somebody else's ideas. I pretty much like his ideas of his book Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. You, you mean like Hellboy? A- <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just yeah but Had that? Which one? Had that been made before?
0: Uh, Did
3: he no. Do the well, one? no, but First it was—it was a
0: comic. He was adapting the comic,
3: so no, no, someone but, else's that's idea. Fine. But what I mean yeah. is, is that Alien is already like an established thing, like as a movie, quite large. So maybe leave that alone. <laughs> Honestly, why do people have to keep on taking things and just taking them and making them over and over and over again? Like. I talked about this last time what was it for? what was our last one when I said this? like it's enough leave it alone
2: what would Carter J Burke do? he'd do it for the money
3: (laughs) just not I don't know who that is but just not
2: (laughs) stop I don't know who that is the spacesuit man
3: I'm reading the I'm reading the oh yeah there Paul Paul Um, (laughs) Banzer and
1: then the penny dropped
3: (laughs) well I'm reading the sheet shattering
2: the illusion I'm sure there's <laughs> a yeah, yeah. the, <laughs>
3: the thing is like people always like they oh, people always do this.
2: It will always it will continue oh, to happen.
3: Spider Man, it was Spider Man. Like where I'm just like, just stop it. In fact it was in Logan as well when we said Spider Man and then when you were talking about who would replace who, blah blah and it's just like just stop. Stop it's now the, it's now get the portion, a different story.
0: It's now the portion of the podcast where Natalie uh, petitions people to stop remaking Spider Man.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: It's become a we should take stop this box it. <laughs> 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 like, the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> we've had
3: enough. <laughs> but people do this with everything though. Like they remake everything, they have to rehash everything, and it just has to get to the point where like, do you know what? We don't need to do that anymore. We'll go find an original story or a different idea. Do
0: In order have, for that to happen, good. you have to not watch it. Um, people will just have to not turn out and then, you know, like what happened with Terminator the latest film, it completely tanked at the box office because it was terrible It's because and they keep making them
3: it. and people are just like stop, it's because no one has actually stood up and said, do you know what maybe there's enough, we've done too much of that, people don't want to see more of the story and you've ruined it, there's no one standing up and, and saying to the people in charge and the people who are losing money on these things, like, stop and go back to the drawing room and do something else.
0: <laughs> the drawing room. <laughs> the drawing
3: room. So <laughs> mixed between the drawing board and the boardroom. Right. The
0: I agree with yeah, yeah. I agree with you to an extent, but I also think that um when you put fresh eyes on a thing that already exists, then there's ways that you can well, not necessarily improve it, but there's ways that you can do things differently. And I think Neil Blomkamp would have done that. Whether you might have liked it or not, his Alien film would have been different to okay, anything else but you we've can seen
3: say, You can say that you could... Okay, so why don't 10, 20, 30 different directors all make a version of Alien and then we'll see what that looks like. Maybe it'd be interesting if it was done on mass, but for people to turn about, rehash the same shit... like ain't nobody got time for that like seriously like how many years do we have on earth like and we want and we're watching the same movies over and over again can we not just go and look at something else do you know what right now like just it's frustrating there's more there's more that you can do there are more ideas than this
0: she's back ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there are yeah I, i agree and i think um
3: so I don't, don't really suggest, want... oh, but there could be fresh eyes doing this or like a different take on that. Yes, it might be interesting, but I literally don't give a shit. Let's just honestly go on to something else.
2: Okay, but without that, we wouldn't <laughs> have a sequel to Alien. So
3: <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. So... so if you're doing one or two, what are we on? Six? Seven? The new Aliens film is probably going to be really good, right? And that's fine, but I'm not, I don't like <laughs> re... I'm not up for people rehashing shit. And I don't want another Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> I think I think you're a bit late. I think they've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, it's out in like
0: two months. The campaigns, okay. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you've, you've got a lot of work to do to 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 stop them now. Picket line outside the box office. <laughs>
3: no, because there's more to life than that.
2: <laughs> right. Okay. So we've heard your um, impassioned treaty against. Uh, Against sequels or against um, franchises. Sequels
3: are different. I'm just saying like f- aye, franchises, remaking, getting new directors in because their fresh eyes can do whatever. <laughs> no. Well, like Alien's
0: just... not getting a new director in, they're getting the original director in. <laughs> Fixated oh, no, on these no. fresh eyes. <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> no. I don't right, think Ridley right, Scott we'll has relax.
0: anything else to give to this franchise. I think we're we've... spiraling out of control. <laughs>
2: We have to nuke this conversation from orbit. It's the only yeah, way to be sure. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I need more snacks. Right, that's right. why I'm Let's
2: wrap it up. <laughs> Natalie, have you got any final thoughts that don't... Okay. ...that don't just, uh, require you to go on a rant about other films?
3: <laughs> My rant is over. Um, I don't need to rant anymore. Uh, aliens? Yep. Makes me think of childhood. So... <laughs> make of that what you will
0: things that are suddenly it. starting to make sense
2: yeah it explains it all
3: I'm you, it was just like my childhood was this and like the actual real crime scene dramas and uh, operations that's all we watched on TV, that and the generation game, I'm um, glad you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, an interesting all part it. of life's rich tapestry <laughs>
1: <laughs> Chris closing thoughts um, no, I just I, I really enjoy the film. It's it's one that I go back and watch every once in a while. So, yeah, really enjoyed it.
0: Craig? I'm a fan of this film. Um, I'm a fan of the universe. Well, the the first two films, anyway. Uh, directors keep trying... Well, Ridley Scott keeps trying to disavow the rest of them, but they, they exist, unfortunately, despite me denying it. But, no, I like this film a lot, and I've always wanted to see a bit more from the Colonial Marines... Um, maybe you could have a Colonial Marines film where they don't fight aliens. I don't know if anybody actually wants to see that. but nope. um <laughs> But, you know, they they must have done other things. You know, they're, they're a military organisation. They must go to other planets and do stuff. Peacekeeping missions, etc. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> let's have a, a Hicks prequel where he goes and does stuff. I don't um, think we need any
3: more prequels.
0: But... No, well... Um, yeah i'm just surprised that considering how iconic the colonial marines are you've never seen them again in live action that Mm -hmm. surprises me you know but um no it's a good franchise from the first two films will ridley scott do it again probably not but uh, i'll be there i'll watch it and we'll see how it goes cool
2: um as far as my thoughts go it's it's my favorite of the series. I can watch this over and over again. It's the one I've seen most often, and uh, like Chris, I will just stick it on every now and again, uh, just to reacquaint myself with it. Um, I think it works because because it shakes up the original. It, I mean, I really love the the alien as a baddie, um, but I, I really love the marines as well as uh, what's supposed to be a badass fighting force, but they end up kind of haplessly getting decimated by hundreds and hundreds of aliens uh, I think the cast is fantastic, I really love I really love Hudson, I really love Hicks Ripley's a great hero uh, maybe not a fan of um, some of Paul Reiser's other work but I think he's a really great slimy baddie in this one um, and yeah as I said before quotable, just in extreme, just so many great lines from it that I do use day to day and will continue to do so and Every time I watch it, there's like another thing I think. Right, I've got to try and remember that one. (laughs) Um, So yeah, yeah, I think that's that about wraps it up. Um, If you all step into your cryo sleep chambers, I'll just rock you off gently to sleep.
3: Can I take my cat?
2: Yeah, if you can find him. I'll see you in fifty-seven years. Cool.
3: That's so depressing.
2: (laughs) Some of us might even survive for Alien (laughs) Three. Next year, coming coming next year, Alien Three.
0: <laughs> <That'll> be, <laughs> that be, be interesting. That's when we get to A V P Two. That'll be the good one. That's <laughs> in what four years, something like that.
2: Yeah. So stay tuned.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night. Thanks for listening to our discussion of aliens. Remember, you can read our articles on Neil Before Blog. Catch us on Facebook, Twitter. And you can find podcasts on iTunes or wherever good podcasts are sold. Game over, man! Game over!